This is Robert Slick, and you're listening to KN101 Phoenix, hooking y'all up with that slippery, slick, and smooth jazz. Tonight, we all about elevating your mood. You know, I got a package in the mail today from a reptile sanctuary in the outer Phoenix area. I was touched in my very soul to find that inside this package was a really, really, really old school vinyl record. I was unaware that I had any fans in the reptile business, but thank you to whoever you are. And tonight, I'm gonna play this mysterious vinyl for all of you groovy cats on KN101. As always, this is your number one stop for the hottest tracks. If you have any requests, give us a call at 877 Jazz Now. is on this vinyl. Track number two. for sending us that you know what I can't even pretend to be polite that was some serious garbage ain't nobody care about some pathetic whiny snake you can't have legs anymore you blew that one thanks to you my wipeout broke my hand giving birth to our son and I gotta deal with stinking mosquitoes and ticks and don't even get me started with that creepy little lisp you got with them gappy fangs and stupid looking little this funny stuff. 
folks i'm your host dale pollard and i'm your co-host carl pollard and you're listening to the bible's not boring it's a podcast and it's aimed at proving its name with each and every episode i think i'll have what i'm having noise Some experts believe that the phrase saved by the bell comes from an old custom of burying coffins with a bell attached as the fear of being buried alive was widespread. Should some unfortunate soul find themselves under six feet of cold earth, they could ring a bell alerting the outside world of their most unfortunate circumstance. Ding, 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 dingly, ding, 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 pilgrim. You hear that? Yes. You might have been thinking that maybe TBMB was buried alive, <laughs> but we're back. Yes. Back with an episode that you asked for. We will always be back. Always. We, we shall, shall never be buried, buried alive. Alive, alive, alive. Because we got a little bell. We're pulling a string. Because <laughs> you got to keep your ears. And, well, no, uh, every time a bell rings an angel it gets a uh, you know tbmb is no all right, all right man I, I, string I, I, I think they get it i think i think they get it. we're back we're back Dingly <laughs> okay, ding, ding, ding. all right carl there's all a right. bell string of things. hey come on now Trillo, sup, boss, man. No way. Oh, what is up, my man? Is this perhaps Dale and Carl with the makers of my favorite podcast? My boy, believe it or not, you're on TBNB right now, dude. Alright, while I have you though, what's your opinion on the serpent in the Garden of Eden? I really love this question about the serpent in the garden back in Genesis. And what's interesting is when I've looked at this and I've maybe come about it at just a little bit different angle. See, the word serpent is actually a very general word. It doesn't mean snake, it actually can be any type of reptile. Well, when I've really thought about this, and I thought about the fact that, you know, Satan chose the serpent, and, well, if we could say it could be any reptile, what reptile would he possibly choose? 
Well, when you look in Revelation, he's called the serpent, the great dragon of old. Hmm. I have found that kind of interesting. When you look in the book of Job, and you look at the Leviathan, if that would be transliterated into Greek, uh, Leviathan would be dragon. And so the Leviathan itself seems to even have been, you know, an ancient dragon. And we know that there have been cultures that all have legends of dragons. So very likely that uh, dragons were real things. And so when I'm thinking about Satan, what animal might he choose? Well, how about a Leviathan? How about a dragon form? Well, when you think about dragons throughout different cultures and times, there are some depicted, you know, with wings. Uh, there are some depicted with legs. And there are some depicted more snake-like. So hard to know the exact answer here, but for me, I kind of wonder if maybe Satan would choose the Leviathan as his animal of choice uh, for this situation. And even though Eve would not have been afraid uh, of any animal, including the Leviathan, perhaps his presence being a Leviathan would have been maybe a little bit more daunting or a little bit more persuasive. We don't know. We're not sure, but maybe, just maybe, what Satan chose was the Leviathan. Pretty cool. That is cool, dude. Thank you so much for giving your input on our podcast. No problem at all, my dudes. I'm so excited to hear what y'all have to say on this topic. I'm sure you'll be wise beyond your years. But anyway, I'll catch you later, my dudes. <laughs> oh. We took a detour in the last episode, but we're back to our original series, Mythical or Factual, and we are talking about serpents found in your Bible. That's right. The Bible talks about some crazy details concerning snakes. Walking snakes. Talking snakes. Fiery snakes. Flying snakes. Sea snakes. The title of this episode is Serpents in the Bible, and we are going to begin with the walking serpents. That piqued my interest. Mind. You know that there was a time when snakes used to have legs? Come again? Snakes used to have legs. One more time? Snakes used to walk on legs. <laughs> but they were cursed in the beginning, after the serpent tempted Adam and Eve. This account is found in Genesis chapter 3. In verse 1, the serpent is introduced as being more crafty than any beast of the field. The Hebrew word for serpent there is, and I'm probably going to butcher this, nahas, which is translated as snake. Nasty. Yeah, uh, not translated as nasty, but it's translated as snake or serpent. But the account continues to unfold in Genesis chapter 3, and Eve believes the serpent. She gives it to Adam. They eat the fruit, and God punishes the serpent by saying in verse 14, Genesis chapter 3, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. From this, we can infer that prior to this curse, snakes would have moved without crawling on their bellies. They probably went around either flying what? or walking. No. Now the curse placed on snakes also forced them to eat food that is among the dust of the earth. 
See Isaiah 65:25 for more detail. This same word for snake or serpent is also found in several other places in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 3, the rod that Moses and Aaron took to Pharaoh became a serpent or a snake. And you can, so, find, you can find out more about that whole thing in the episode that we did on pagan gods. Yeah, idols in the Bible. But idols yeah, in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Two episodes ago, I think. Two, three, four, something like that. Who knows? But this word serpent that we find in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1 and verse 14 is also found in Psalm 58 and verse 4. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 8 and and many other places. Each of these verses use the same Hebrew word that is used to describe the serpent in the garden. So before the curse, they used to, to move around without having to crawl on their stomachs and slither around, which of course leads to the question, how did they walk? How did they move before they had to crawl? You know, there are snakes today that can move around without having to slither on their bellies sometimes. You got the flying snake. Scientific name is... Chrysoplea. Chrysopelia. Chrysopelia. Now, they don't really fly like the name suggests. It's more of a glide, sort of uh, following with style, as Buzz Lightyear would say. Nice. This snake climbs trees and then jumps off the top, flares out its ribs into a sort of pseudo-concave wing while making a continual serpentine motion of lateral undulation parallel to the ground to stabilize its objective proclivity and trajectory in midair in order to disembark from its aerial abscon devoid of <coughs> deleteriousness of physical impairment. What in tarnation? Basically, uh, it uses its ribs to make a wing that, that helps them glide to the ground. That I get. Not really flying, more of just uh, falling out of trees and <laughs> flapping its ribs around trying to make sure it don't get hurt. I did that once. So we do have flying snakes today, kind of, but there's also swimming snakes. You got sea snakes or scientific name, hydrophonae. <laughs> sure. Uh, these are some uh, crazy cool snakes. They fly, they glide, kind of. They swim in the ocean, but notice that none of them have legs, as far as I've seen. Well, in that case, I guess we'll have to step outside of the Bible but into the ancient biblical world. Mm. See, there were a lot of cultures that, that talk about and, and painted pictures of and recorded and carved little figurines of snake-like people with legs and, and wings and some that breathe fire. The Egyptians had a god named Nephepkau, a serpent man, commonly worshipped in the Egyptian second dynasty of ancient Egypt, also known as the Ramsed period. But the god... Nehebkau might have been recorded since approximately 1900 BC, which to put that in perspective is about the time Abraham and Sarah entered into Egypt for the first time. It's depicted in reliefs and carved in figurines and it's a snake walking upright like a man, sometimes upright with wings mm. or as a man with the head of a snake mm. and a snake-like tail. Mm-hmm. Of course, this could be a coincidence. I don't really hang my hat on it being uh, inspired, not being inspired and all, you know. We don't know for sure if it was a bipedal snake, meaning walking upright, that once roamed the earth, or maybe it was a, a leg that a, a snake that walks more like a wiener dog. Yeah, that's a very interesting hypothesis. It's an interesting theory, but uh, give me a little more information about these snakes. Fine. Yale PhD candidate Daniel Field and other scientists widely accept that snakes originally 
began with two legs, then evolved and grew to more. No fossil evidence for a four-legged snake, but there are fossils with two small legs. Of course, we don't believe that they uh, evolved over millions and billions of years and things of the sort. Right. Uh, but Field states that early snakes, and he said 100 million years, uh, were to quote him, stealth hunters and nocturnal with two small hind legs complete with ankles and toes. Mm. And you can see an example of that by looking at the fossil of Tetrapodophis, a fossil of a snake that is very well preserved. Oh. And uh, Field and other researchers seem to all conclude by saying, you know, we're not really sure why the legs just mysteriously vanish over time. Interesting. But for all we know, the serpent could have walked on four legs like a wiener dog. The Babylonian gate, known as the Ishtar Gate, had depictions of lions on it as well as cattle and a snake-like dragon. What's interesting to me about the back legs on that carving is that they're clawed, just like the fossil of Tetrapodophis. It's also been pointed out how serpent-like the Chinese dragons were with long bodies and sometimes multiple legs with claws. And many cultures have serpentine dragons with, with legs as well. Hmm. Marco Polo, who lived in about 1254 to 1324, recorded his experiences across Asia in great detail in his travel log. Notice what he says in the book, The Travels of Marco Polo. This is an excerpt from chapter 2, 49 and following. In this province are found snakes and great serpents of such vast size as to strike fear into those who see them, so hideous that the very account of them must excite the wonder of those to hear it. I will tell you how long and big they are. You may be assured that some of them are ten paces in length, some are more and some less, and in bulk they are equal to a great cask for the bigger ones about ten palms in girth. They have two forelegs near the head, but for foot nothing but a claw like the claw of a hawk or that of a lion. The head is very big and the eyes are bigger than a great loaf of bread. The mouth is large enough to swallow a man whole and is garnished with great pointed teeth. And in short, they are so fierce looking and so hideously ugly that every man and beast must stand in fear and trembling of them. There are also smaller ones, such as one of eight paces long, and of five, and of one pace only. The way in which they are caught is this. You must know that by day they live underground because of the great heat, and in the night they go out to feed and devour every animal they can catch. They go also to drink at the rivers and lakes in the springs, and their weight is so great that when they travel in search of food and drink, as they do by night, the tail makes a great furrow in the soil, as if a full ton of liquor had been dragged along. Now the huntsmen who go after them take by them a certain gin which they set in the track over which the serpent has passed, knowing that the beast will come back the same way. They plant the stake deep in the ground and fix on the head a sharp blade of steel made like a razor or a lance point, and then they cover the hole with sand so that the serpent can't see it. Indeed, the huntsmen plant several such stakes and blades on the track. On coming to the spot, the beast strikes against the iron blade with such force that it enters its breasts and ribs him up to the navel so that he dies on the spot. And the crows on seeing the brute dead begin to call, and then the huntsmen know that the serpent is dead and come in search of him. Last I checked, Marco Polo wasn't inspired, but he is yet another eyewitness of a serpent-like monster. You know, there were a few metaphors in there that I haven't used in a little bit. So I was kind of confused. I mean, 
what's the difference between five palms and four kneecaps? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but overall, very interesting uh, story by Marco Polo. The Bible tells us about walking snakes, but the only eyewitnesses to these legged serpents would have been Adam and Eve. Now, I'm no mathematician, but that's only about four eyes that have seen a walking snake. So anyone afterward is just seeing some kind of monster, creature, dinosaur, something. But the legged serpent in the garden would have only been seen by Adam and Eve. Scripture informs us of walking snakes, but it also speaks of flying, fiery serpents. For example, Isaiah 30 and verse 6 says, Through a land of trouble and anguish, from where comes the lioness and the lion, the adder, and the flying, fiery serpent. Then you flip over to Isaiah 14, 29, and it says, Rejoice not, O Philistia, all of you, that the rod that struck you is broken, for from the serpent's root will come forth an adder, and its fruit will be a flying, fiery serpent. But one more, Deuteronomy 8.15 says, Who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions. What does this mean? Well, I'll tell you, maybe. The Hebrew word for the phrase fiery serpent is serath. Probably. Who knows, just made that up, but that's probably what it sounded like. But it can be translated as a kind of serpent or a kind of heavenly being, depending on the context. It is translated as fiery serpent, possibly as a way to describe the burning effect of the poison. Now, the seraphim were at one point mythically conceived beings that had serpent bodies. And some believe that Isaiah 30 and verse 6 and chapter 14 and verse 29 are describing serpent deities. But Numbers 21 and verse 6 is the verse that I really want to focus on for this flying fiery serpent. Numbers 21.6 says, Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many of the people of Israel died. A lot of people there. And a fiery serpent. Dale, tell us about some of those cultural depictions, some of those fossil records that maybe uh, correspond to what we're reading here. Sure thing. Well, one popular theory is that they are pterodactyls, or petrosaurs. Mm. Pterosaurs, if uh, you're not supposed to pronounce the P there. Right. Biblical categorization of animals in our modern binomial nomenclature are quite different. Yes. In Genesis, all creatures dwelling in the oceans, for example, were created on the same day and all of them called fish. That includes whales, which we place in the mammal family since they breathe air through a blowhole. The Hebrew word for fish is dag, but it could have uh, been a water-dwelling reptile or mammal as well. Mm, good point. So all that to say, flying snakes could have been a type of pterodactyl. When talking about monsters, we might begin to think that legged snakes and flying snakes, well, that's kind of a stretch. But when you look at the fossils of wild creatures that used to live with us on Earth, we might be more open-minded. For example, the... Quadalacotas was a giant pterodactyl-like dinosaur bird, and when it stood upright on the ground, it was as tall as a, get it, giraffe, an adult giraffe. Some say its wingspan was up to 50 feet wide. Marco Polo also had something to say about flying snakes. He wrote of the flying snakes of Arabia, and they're... 
He had something to say about everything. I'll tell you that one. That that boy gets around. Mm. Marco. Uh, yes? (laughs) Polo? Okay, too late. There's a serpent that is depicted as breathing fire in Job 41. Ah, yes. The Leviathan. That's the one. I recall doing an episode on this topic. Yeah, that and the Behumu. Yes. Behemoth. Job 41 and verse 18. It says, His sneezing flash forth light. Verse 19 says, Out of his mouth go flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils come forth smoke. As from a boiling pot and burning rushes, his breath kindles coals and a flame comes forth from his mouth. A serpent that breathes fire. Sounds like a dragon. Sounds like a dragon to me, too. But this definitely, at some point, lived in our ocean. Let that sink in. Or, or a giant lake. Or an ocean. Or both. That's a, a giant lake is an ocean, right? Pretty much. Dragons. Sweet. But a third serpent that's described in Scripture besides these flying, fiery serpents are sea serpents. You know, in Amos chapter 9 and verse 3, it says, If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel from there, I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, guess what? There I will command the serpent, and it shall bite them. (laughs) A sea serpent, because they're at the bottom of the sea, you know. Isaiah 27 verse 1 says, In that day the Lord with his hardened great and strong sword will punish the Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. That is such come a again. Cool verse. The that what now? So come that, again? Wow. Did you say what now? Boo! What explosion? My brain. This Blamo. is this is this is a this is a wow. This is a uh, wow. You repeat it. It's Aramaic wow. That's what it is. <laughs> it's Aramaic word for dragon there, and uh, it's Taman, which is translated as serpent, sea monster, and dragon. Okay, Carl, read that verse one more time because I had to hear this several times for me to just really feel the wow. In that day. The Lord, with his hard and great and strong sword, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. The what now? Wow. Did you, uh, Aramaic Taman? Are you kidding me? Serpent, monster, dragon, all recorded in scripture, which means it's fact. Okay, you don't think something like this is possible? I mean, obviously, if you believe in the Bible, you believe it's possible because you believe in the Leviathan. But I want to give you an example since we don't really have a creature today called Leviathan. What about uh, a swimming, long, giant, 75-foot-long sea snake with three-inch teeth? Does that sound made up? Yeah. It's called the Mosasaurus. Mosasaurus. It's confirmed. It is a an actual fossil that has been found of a giant swimming sea serpent you can look it up you got the pterodactyl which is flying you got the mosasaurus this giant swimming sea snake you have the leviathan this fire breathing serpentine dragon-esque monster and you have the precursor serpents who were apparently walking around moving without slithering talking these are the serpents that you will find in scripture Sea serpents, Leviathan, Job 41, flying serpents, Isaiah 30 and verse 6, slithery serpents, Psalm 58 and verse 4, walking serpents, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 14. All of those are found in your Bible 
and there are different kinds of serpents. I would do a mic drop, but this was an expensive piece of equipment. There's only one snake today. It slithers, it flaps its ribs, it might move around, squibble around a little bit in the ocean. But back then, there were all kinds of serpents. A whole nother level. And that just goes to prove that the Bible is never boring. Never has been, never will be, never won't be, never can't be. Facts. Mike Tap. So God takes away the legs of Satan, and Satan is like... Yeah, and then, like, all of his angels go... <laughs> yeah, that, that's, and that's how that went. Exactly just like that. So, uh, me and the cap are out on the road at the moment, and didn't have time to record an outro, so mm -hmm. <laughs> excuse the drop in auditorial quality here. Excuse it's not professional, and you know mm. we strive for professionalism here at TV&B. Of course. We hope you enjoyed the sode. I'm in the process of planning a wedding with my wife-to-be, and because of that, we've been uh, unable to consistently grace your ears with the TV&B on a weekly basis, yes, as yes, 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 yes. we so long to do. Mm -hmm. We're still planning on making more episodes, though. For sure. And we got a, a master list of juicy topics still to come. So mm -hmm. bear with us, dear pilgrims. Yes. We're shooting for twice a month with our sewed drops, but we'll keep y'all loyal nomads in the know. Nice. Until next time, make sure y'all get your chores done before Paul come home. You, you, you hear? I love you. Who, me? No, the pilgrims. I'm not hurt by that, but wow, Carl, what a big step in your relationship it's, with our listeners. I kind of scared, you know, but <laughs> it was worth it. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you. No, Carl, I, you I, I will not hang up you until hang you hang up. up. Yeah, you I, hang I, up. You hang up, my you, crusty little duster, you, you little cute up. little...